1: Good morning and welcome to Wildbrand's fiscal 2021 second quarter earnings call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during that time, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, press the pound key. I'd now like to turn the call over to Nancy chan Palmetier, Director, Investor Relations at Wildbrain. You may begin your conference.
2: Thank you, Operator, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Speaking on the call today are Eric Ellenbogen, our CEO, and Aaron Ames, our CFO. Also with us and available during the question and answer session are Josh Sherba, our president, and Daniel Neath, our EVP of Finance and Chief Accounting Officer. First, we have some standard cautionary statements. The matters discussed on this call include forward-looking statements under applicable securities laws, with respect to Wildbrain, including but not limited to statements regarding future investments by the company, the impact of COVID-19 on the company and its business, the business strategies and operational activities at the company, the markets and industries in which the company operates, and the future financial and operating performance of the company and, and its assets, including the leverage position of the company. Such statements are based on information available currently, and are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties. Actual results or events in the future could differ materially and adversely from those described in the forward-looking statements as a result of various important factors, including the risk factors set up in the company's most recent MD&A and annual information form. Please note that all currency numbers are in Canadian dollars. For the question and answer session that will follow, we ask that each analyst keep to one question with one follow-up, so that everyone has an opportunity to ask questions. If you'd like to ask an additional question, please rejoin the queue. Please note that we are all in separate locations, so we do appreciate your patience if we encounter any lumpiness as we steer through the call. I will now hand the call over to our CEO, Eric Ellenbogen.
3: Thank you, Nancy. Uh, Good morning. Thanks to everyone for joining us today. Last week, uh, we announced yet another major project, that capitalizes on our unique capabilities to manage, monetize, and grow brands across content and licensing. In partnership with Sega, we're producing a new Netflix original series called Sonic Prime, which is based on the highly popular gaming franchise, Sonic the Hedgehog, and production is now underway in our Vancouver studio. This is an incredibly meaningful deal for Wild Ray. Like our peanuts agreements with Apple, these multi-year exclusive Sonic contracts with Sega and Netflix, add yet another premium project to our creative pipeline that translates into excellent visibility for contracted high quality earning streams for years to come. We're partners in a property that has tremendous momentum and massive consumer reach. Sonic the Hedgehog is one of the most popular entertainment brands in the world. And since its video game debut in 1991, over 1.14 billion game units have been sold and downloaded. Only last year, the theatrical feature film Sonnet the Hedgehog grossed $320 million U.S. million worldwide, and it broke through a major box office milestone to become the number one grossing video game movie of all time in North America. And given the success, the sequel to the feature is already in development from producers Sega Sammy and Paramount. And we expect that our new animated series will connect with and expand the enormous global fan base for all things Sonic. I want to emphasize this is not a service project for our studio. This is a true partnership as Wildbrain and Sega will share in production, distribution, and licensing revenues. We're honored to have this partnership with Sega and believe it speaks volumes about our capabilities in managing world-class brands. We've witnessed firsthand the enduring popularity of this brand from the strong and steady global demand for our library of legacy Sonic series, which comprises 132 half hours in the Wild Rain Library. We've also seen the strength of Sonic and consumer products, and we've seen that firsthand through our pre-existing licensing agency representation as Sonic across continental Europe. We expect that business to grow as we now layer on representation of Sonic Prime. that territory. This partnership is yet another example where we get all the benefits of premium content production, delivering steady state, high quality, predictable earnings, plus the considerable upside potential across distribution, including on our own AVOD network and in consumer products licensing. As I said to you in our last call, we have a robust pipeline of premium content. Our Sonic announcement is just a preview of further coming attractions. And like Sonic in coming quarters, we expect to be talking to you about other activations for properties from our deep library. One of my top goals when I joined this company was turning it into a premier creative force in kids and family entertainment. And a big part of that is diving into our library and surfacing evergreen brands that have strong potential to renew and reinvent for today's audience. We're making great strides on these goals. We've turned to count an asset base that we have to build franchises, which we expect will continue to improve the value of our library. This great new content drives further high margin distribution and consumer product opportunities, opening up enormous option value across our business and our IP portfolio. Premium franchises command premium dollars across the entire value chain, and we believe top-flight creative, coupled with our unique capabilities to unlock and to exploit IP, will create a virtual flywheel of growth and value creation for years to come. Our unique capabilities in development, production, distribution, licensing, and audience delivery deployed against our own library are also drawing these premier partners. Another example of that is our new animated series, Go Dog Go, co-produced with DreamWorks. The series began streaming on Netflix January 26, and within a couple of days it became a top 10 show on the platform in both Canada and the United States. This series is a case in point of doubling down on top-flight creative, which is clearly resonating with audiences or recognizing that quality on the screen. Likewise, our newest peanut series, the Snoopy Show, just premiered on Apple TV Plus last Friday and has been getting great rave reviews, and Apple is launching a major marketing push for the Snoopy show,
1: not only on their own
3: platforms, but also with an extensive global advertising campaign. Just last Friday, the Peanuts Gang staged a global takeover of the apple.com website. Our studio, meanwhile, is hard at work on more original Peanuts content for Apple, including multiple family specials and season two of Snoopy in Space. In the quarter, we deployed capital from the Fine Capital Growth Fund to acquire rights we didn't already own in the Caillou series from PBS. We perfected our rights ownership, importantly giving us control over Caillou to reach an even broader audience, including on our Wild Brain Spark Network and to increase exploitation of the property across various business areas. I've said previously that we'd invest in rounding out the IP rights in our library, and this is just one example with an enduring property that we know well. Caillou is one of the top brands in our AVOD network, and our data analytics tell us that there are opportunities to reignite and to grow this property. Turning now to our AVOD business, Wildbrain Spark, we're really encouraged by further sequential improvement as advertising revenues continue to rebound from the pressures of COVID-19 and the YouTube policy changes. In the second quarter, 21, revenue at Wildbrain Spark improved sequentially by 74%, from $8.9 million in q 21, reflecting the build-out of our proprietary data analytic tools, which are driving growth in multiple new revenue streams, including direct advertising sales on our own network, paid media and digital production fees, and some seasonality. These nascent revenues grew by 365% in the second quarter 21 versus 20. Now, I need to contextualize that growth, as building on a relatively small base. We're surely not expecting to see triple-digit growth every quarter, but the growth that we're experiencing shows that our investments are starting to pay off, and so we'll continue to make those investments. We know the opportunity is big and it's burgeoning, and we're in high gear to build out our teams and to expand our service offerings to both grow and monetize our engaged audience. We're highly focused on benefiting from the secular shift in ad dollars from linear to digital. The tide continues to rise as these dollars shift and to capture as much of this revenue as we can, we're creating a standby. I'm sorry, technical difficulty. Um, so uh, further to that, our network offers advertisers an enormous scale plus enormous breadth and a variety of safe content. And We believe our competitive advantage lies at the intersection of this massive advertiser-friendly network and our pioneering capabilities in proprietary data analysis. An important variable for monetizing content is watch time. And that's a metric that tells us how much time people spend watching our content on YouTube. The more time people spend watching our content, the more ads we can serve. In Q2, for example, watch time increased 15% versus Q2 last fiscal to 59.7 billion minutes. Kids watching content on our platform spent six minutes and 16 seconds on average per view, which was up 20% from Q2 2020 and viewership remains strong at 9.5 billion views in q 2 21. Our direct ad sales efforts are benefiting from a shift in family viewing patterns to connected TVs, which accelerated during the pandemic. Households are increasingly using connected TVs to watch ad supported streaming services like Wild Brain Spark on YouTube. This important trend was confirmed by our commission research report titled Making Screen Time, Family Time, which we released in December. We surveyed 3,000 U.S. households with kids and found that a very large percentage of parents, on the order of 90%, see free AVOD services as important video sources for their children. We also learned in that study that connected TVs are the most popular platforms for family viewing in over 60% of households. Our data further indicate a very high rate of family viewing on our trusted network where parents are watching high quality curated content on YouTube with our kids. And this unlocks advertising opportunities for family consumer products and brands targeted at parents and kids in a COPA compliant environment. The majority of WildBrain Sparks viewing in major markets is now on connected TVs. And the majority of that viewing is content that's at least 30 minutes long That means in family living rooms, Wild Brain Spark is directly competing with linear television on the very screen that linear once owned. This is a trend that we're confident will accelerate the shift in advertising budgets, because as I've often said, advertising dollars follow eyeballs. We're after our fair share of the 4.6 billion of global kids advertising. And with that, I'll hand the call over to Aaron.
4: Thank you, Eric. During Q2, we continued our disciplined approach to content investments and the management of costs and working capital, as reflected in our continued generation of positive free cash flow. We are also making significant investments to support our growth in premium production and licensing, and to expand our development pipeline. In Q2, we further accelerated the build-out of our proprietary data analysis and ad sales teams at Wildbrain Spark to support growth in our own and partners' brands. These continued investments were driven by strong adoption we are seeing from the marketplace from these initiatives we launched last year. Our leverage ratio remains steady from Q1, and we remain on track to be in the mid-4 level or below by the end of our fiscal 2022. If you look at the last three years or so, the source of our deleveraging has primarily been from free cash flow generation or asset sales, and to a lesser extent, EBITDA growth. As you look out to next fiscal year and beyond, we expect EBITDA growth to take over as the principal driver in accelerating the deleveraging process, amplified by improving free cash flow generation. Turning now to our Q2 results. Revenue in Q2 grew 17% to $142.3 million compared with $122.1 million in Q2 last year. The increase was primarily driven by the large deal for the Peanuts library with Apple TV+, Plus, announced in October. Q2 2021 net income increased to $11.3 million versus a net loss of $2.3 million in Q2 last year. This improvement was driven by higher gross margin, a higher non-cash foreign exchange gain, and other income from litigation settlements, together with lower expenses related to reorganization, development, and finance costs in Q2 2021 versus Q2 2020. Positive free cash flow in Q2 increased to 23.5 million compared to 13.3 million in Q2 2020. The increase was par- partly driven by improvements in collection or production financing, other income earned in Q2 2021 and lower distributions to non-controlling interests in the current quarter. Adjusted EVA DAW increased 14% to 29.1 million in Q2 2021 compared with 25.6 million in Q2 2020, principally driven by the Peanuts Library licensing deal continue to strengthen our content production and distribution businesses, and other income of $4.4 million from the litigation settlement. The funds from the settlement are being invested to meaningfully accelerate growth areas, principally in our proprietary data and analysis tools, direct ad sales, and our licensing capabilities. Now I'll turn the call back to Eric. Uh,
3: thank you, Darren. Uh, overall, we're realizing positive momentum in every sector, as evidenced by our Q2 financial results. We're delivering on on our long-term strategy of number one, creating premium kids content to grow key brands. Number two, monetizing our large audience on Wildbrain Spark, and number three, improving our cash flow and balance sheet. And most importantly, we're striking meaningful deals supported by our 360-degree strategy to grow our own IP and partner brands by leveraging the strength Wildbrain has across development, production, distribution, licensing and audience delivery. There are many more such deals to come. So as I've said on past calls, watch this space. Uh, Finally, before opening the call to questions, I'd like to mention that we're looking at holding an analyst day this year, probably mid-summer, early fall. Uh, I've now been with the company for 18 months and I could not be more confident about the huge opportunity before us. So I'd like to spend some time at analyst day to spell out the size and the scale of that opportunity, with more
1: details to follow. So now, uh, I'd welcome your questions. At this time, if you would like to ask a question over the phone lines, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Aravinda Gela- Papathy, and I do apologize if I mispronounced that from Canaccord Genuity. Your line is open.
0: Good morning. Thanks for taking my question and congrats on the quarter. Um, I'll uh, start with my uh, main question and uh, have a follow-up. Uh, in terms of the uh, the trends that you're seeing at uh, WildBrain Spark, obviously you are now lapping the impact of the YouTube uh, rule changes. Um, I was wondering if you can talk to sort of the shape of the recovery that you're starting to see and anticipate, and connected to that, obviously, the initial take um, initial takeaways from uh, the uh, development of the direct ad sales uh, initiative, I was wondering if you can expand a little bit on that. And then as my uh, follow-up, uh, with respect to the Sonic, uh, the Hedgehog uh, uh, deal, can you talk to uh, sort of wild brain's share of uh, merch revenues down the road. Um, is that something you can disclose or give us some general uh, indications of? Thanks.
3: Okay, so um, let me
0: uh, take your question about
3: uh, direct ad sales and how those results are, are, uh, are coming forward. Um, <clears throat> it's going quite well. Um, I think one of the things you pointed up <clears throat> Excuse me. Is the change in, in uh, YouTube policy, which we've highlighted previously, uh, for made for kids, which uh, which happened last uh, January, and um, uh, for those not familiar, uh, it basically um, uh, prohibited uh, kids uh, content providers from uh, collecting or YouTube collecting data on individual viewers, and therefore needing to move to a more contextual. Uh, advertising model, not dissimilar from uh, linear television. Um, so we, we made uh, significant investments uh, this quarter in, uh, in direct ad sales, uh, which we believe will build uh, long-term value. And uh, those are the numbers that I highlighted uh, in, uh, in my earlier remarks. Um, so uh, if, if I can share with you what advertisers are looking for. Um, number one, incredible reach and that's something that we have in abundance. Uh, second, they're looking for brand safety. They want to know their ads, where their ads are being placed. Obviously, the, the advertising environment is, is critical. And uh, we're signing lots of deals. Uh, we have huge aspirations in this area. We're seeing a shift in revenue, not just from the uh, adjustment in the YouTube algorithms, which are beginning to favor scale networks like ours, uh, adjusting for the changes made in Made for Kids policy, but also uh, in campaigns uh, and switching on new revenue sources uh, across Wild Brain Spark. And one of the things that we're offering, which we think is incredibly compelling, is a customizable solution. Uh, it's premium content uh, based based on viewing trends and data insights uh, that uh, that we've compiled, and Uh, We've also invested heavily against uh, data analytics and ad tech uh, with some proprietary technology that helps us better serve our audience with content that they're looking for, as well as uh, helping advertisers um, uh, understand better the audience that they're reaching. So it's probably not not dissimilar as an example in linear television from understanding uh, lead-in programming and what leads to the next Uh, And that allows us to uh, optimize what we're doing. So, um, uh, and and the other thing we're benefiting by, uh, clearly, uh, and this isn't us, it is the shift of ad dollars from linear to digital. Um, And so, uh, as I pointed out, we really expect to harvest our fair share of that $4.5 billion uh, that are being spent globally each year on kids' advertising um, and, you know, with an incredibly engaged uh, audience. Um, can I ask you to repeat again your, your second question?
0: Yes, uh, it relates to the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog uh, agreement, which you announced. Um, um, and I apologize if I didn't hear that during the prepared remarks. Uh, can you talk to your share of merchandise sales uh, or any kind of uh, product sales down the road as per this agreement?
3: Um, I'll uh, I'll ask Josh to, uh, to address that. I'm not sure that we hear Josh.
5: Apologies. Can you hear me now? Um, uh, right. There we go. Sorry about that. Uh, hi, Aravinda. Um, so uh, certainly I would characterize this uh, this deal with Sega as truly as a partnership. Um, we're we're going to be sharing in all revenue sources uh, related to this IP outside of video games and the feature film. Um, so it begins with production and great creative and we couldn't be more excited about the series. Uh, it is, uh, it's, it's truly a landmark series for us, uh, in terms of creative scope and ambition. Uh, it, it, in every sense will be a premium project. Uh, and then once we get it out into the world, we're, we're going to be managing exploitation outside of North America. So representation to our CPLG group, um, as well as uh, utilizing uh, our WildBrain Spark division to ensure that we're that we're driving amplification of the brand and uh, and and ultimately ancillary revenues. So it, it really is a great example of our ability as a 360 company to really wrap our arms around a brand, and we couldn't be more thrilled than to be doing it with Sega on Sonic.
0: Great, thank you. I'll pass the line.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Drew McReynolds from RBC. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, good morning. Just a quick follow-up
6: uh, on the Sega uh, partnership and relationship. Uh, either Josh or, or Eric, uh, you know, clearly under under the new management team here at Walbrain, we're kind of seeing um, better execution, Um, and certainly better execution on the premium side and and these aren't insignificant deals you're signing. How did this partnership come about? If you could provide a little bit more granularity there Um, and then I have a follow-up after that. Thank you. So, Drew, uh, thanks for
3: your question. I'll let uh, Josh uh, talk to you about how the the partnership came about. But uh, one of the things I'd uh, point out, which uh, which is somewhat axiomatic, is the scale of this deal is significant. Um, Obviously, we have to provide a disclosure uh, as a consequence of materiality. So uh, you can uh, obviously uh, take away from that uh, how important the transaction uh, is for the company and uh, that uh, we've struck a partnership deal. Uh, this This is not service work, as I pointed out in my earlier remarks. Uh, but rather a very extensive uh, relationship building on a, on a pre-existing relationship that um, our CPLG licensing group has had uh, across uh, EMEA. Uh, and I'll let Josh uh, talk to you about the genesis of the transaction.
5: Yeah, so it's been, um, Drew, it's been, it's been a couple of years, really, that we've been cultivating this partnership with with SEGA and, and really taking a methodical approach to the creative and uh, and what we would do in a series related to, to Sonic uh, moving forward and, and finding the right partner which ultimately was Netflix so th- it's it's a process that, that certainly takes time but but overall our our direction into premium are the improvements we've made at our studio um, they all really help our case in terms of uh, pr- proving ourselves to, to to premium partners like Saga um, the other thing that I would highlight and I, I, uh, Eric mentioned a little bit in his script but Um, the the tremendous momentum Sonic has as a brand right now Uh, the feature film last year did incredibly well Uh, there there are there's a multitude of plans in the coming years around the brand including the second feature and then ultimately is going to culminate in this this uh, premium series on Netflix so you know sometimes when we're when we're working on brands it's it's a full reboot and you're, you're trying to kind of get momentum started in this case we're we're uh we're really standing on 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 the shoulders of some tremendous momentum that's already been built and so why we couldn't be more excited to be partnered here
6: super uh i'd
3: add add one other thing uh is is this um just in contrast to because i know you've followed the company some time to the old vhx um uh I'll, I'll borrow from Orson Welles, No Wine Before It's Time. Um, this is really just an example, I think, in contrast uh, to the way uh, that uh, library properties and relationships were brought forward um, in the old VHX uh, versus what we're doing today. Uh, as Josh mentioned, highly methodical, careful development, brand plans, uh, really growing the IP, uh, understanding the DNA, uh, and then going to market, and and I think it, it isn't just about quickly harvesting uh, these relationships and uh, IP in our, our deep uh, library, uh, but rather a you know very very careful approach. It takes time, and so so many of these things that we we planted that you know the apple peanuts example now Sonic. Uh, they will bear fruit for many, many years to come. Uh, so it's, it's not, you know, churn and burn. Uh, and, um, and we thank everybody for their patience, uh, which I think is going to be rewarded uh, amply uh, with transactions like this and and happily things that we'll be announcing in subsequent quarters. Oh,
6: that's great. Um, and a logical follow-up. To that and it's a little bit of a bigger picture it does seem that um you know with with that refocus here and, and the execution clearly um i think investors have wondered you know how capital constrained the company is and as you kind of climb out of you know the balance sheet the extent to which you have to balance kind of growth and free cash flow is it is it a fair comment to say that the way these deals are are currently being structured that versus the old days um, it's a little less capital intensive for, you know, the company to, to build these franchises. Um, And and specifically talking about, you know, some of the OTT deals where, you know, you can get funded a little bit better upfront. And I apologize for my son's trumpet playing downstairs in the basement. If you can hear it. Well, hopefully he's on loyal brand
3: spark at the moment. Um, i'll let uh I'll let Lauren take that uh, question
4: yeah so I, I guess it's i guess it's two two sides to it uh obviously we had to make the investments uh that we did do in the studio to increase the premium production. we have to be uh making the investments in uh you know in our uh you know audience engagement in in spark uh, so we had to actually build those uh those uh, tools give give the teams the tools to do the work that they're doing, uh, which is why they want to come to us. But from the production side, I think you're right. You know, the, you know, given the way that the SVODs um, fund content, you know, that, that is uh, a lesser constraint on us, but however, we do have to make the investments that we, that we, uh, that we made to, to, you know, to have the creative, to have the right people and to have the right tools. So I I think it's still, it's still both, both things that are important, but I don't think there's a lack of capital to do those, those types of things. I think, you know, that's the way we're going to grow and and that's what we are focused on.
1: Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Deepak Kishul from Stifo. Your line is open. Well, hi guys. Uh, Good morning. Uh, Thanks for taking my questions. Um, Just, just
7: one and a quick follow-up on, on the, um, the distribution side in, in AVOD versus traditional linear. I'm just wondering if you could give us a sense of the difference in the, the margin profile. So if I can ask it maybe a little differently. You know, In the past, you had an army of distri- distribution agents delivering content, library content to linear broadcasters around the world. How does that um, sales process change in the, in the AVOD world in global distribution? And, and what kind of margin benefits can you get from that new model going forward? And i have got to follow up
3: so uh, I'll let um, Aaron uh, address some of the margin considerations uh, but what i would uh what I would say Deepak, is that um, we are the uh, in, in many ways the captains of our own ship now and uh, not uh, subject to a lot of the vicissitudes uh, that uh, you know that you suffer from you know disintermediation uh you know we're Uh, addressing directly our consumers. We're talking to, uh, you know, our advertisers and sponsors. Uh, And that's been, I think, the kind of the seismic shift and, frankly, opportunity that's been created around uh, MFK. Uh, So it isn't just about the passive royalties. We're able to generate campaigns and uh, unique offerings uh, um, on our AVOD network. Uh, and to work with, um, uh, with advertisers and sponsors in, in various ways. And that, that's the business I referenced earlier that is, is burgeoning considerably. And uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, had it not been for that change in, uh, in YouTube policy, uh, I don't know that we would have embarked as soon as we did uh, in the direct ad sales market. I'll, I'll, let, um, I'll let Aaron address the margin issues
4: yeah and then and then uh I'll, I'll i'll talk a little bit about margin and then I'll pass it over to uh to josh uh on the um, how how the sales happen i you know I'll, I'll say we're we're very we're very unique uh in the space from the the ad you know the uh the audience engagement and the wild brain spark perspective because um we have one of the largest libraries after you know after the studios which which everyone knows and so you know, because of that, our you know our margins, um, are, you know our when we when we put ads on on the, that content, we own the content, and that that's a big distinction. Uh, a lot of platforms are looking for content. We, we we have a platform, and we have the content, and so that that creates a much high, higher margin profile for us uh, as opposed to other other companies. But I'll pass it over to Josh. He's
5: on a yeah, it's, it's, it, hi Deepak. Just just one thing I would add in terms of the the uh, the difference between the the old world of licensing directly to broadcasters and Avod is that, you know, in in the old world it, it was more about doing your one deal, doing your deal, supplying some marketing materials, and then kind of getting on to the next. When it relates to Avod, and, and obviously Wildbrand Spark is its own thing, and talking about our emphasis on YouTube, but on the other Avod platforms, it is more of an ongoing partner management. So it's it's seeing how our content's performing, uh, working with them to to make adjustments to to potentially help it grow, and w- one of the areas that we've actually been um, using uh, a- across our company uh, some of the uh, some of the Strengths we have is in is in content curation, uh, and which actually comes from our television group, you know, who've who who have decades of experience of of knowing what content's going to fit best together, and we tap into that expertise to help work with these various AVOD platforms who are often new to kids content, uh, and and really giving them more of a tailored offer. So it, it, it is different from the old world, but we we actually have a lot of advantages in that space given our different businesses we're in.
7: That's very helpful. Thanks, guys. And then just a follow up to that, you know, you mentioned other platforms briefly there. Um, when we think about beyond YouTube platforms like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, um, I assume you have plans for for, for diversification in the broader platforms. What can what can we expect in the next twelve months or eighteen months regarding that size relative to the YouTube footprint?
3: Deepak, um, uh, we're we're pursuing. Uh a, you know, always on strategy with our content. And so, uh, you know, not that we drop a press release, uh, every week as we strike these new network deals with Samsung and some of the other, uh, surprising, uh, networks, um, that, uh, that have popped up and, and we're seeing, you know, all kinds of new spigots turning on, uh, for, uh, for revenue. Um, but, um, we're basically, we're going to be everywhere, and uh, you'll begin to see, as an example, uh, wild brain uh, channels uh, popping up uh, really across the spectrum. Uh, one of the things that we're learning, and it's a, for us an R&D process, uh, particularly with our proprietary content, is uh, the ability, uh, for example, to launch a Teletubbies channel uh, and uh, sort of see what the audience attraction of, of that may be or uh, specialized channels of a mix of our product. Um, And it's one of the advantages that we also have from the Avod Spark Network is these data analytics tools that uh, really guide us in the way that the content is uh, compiled and uh, and, uh, curated. Um, I don't know if, uh, Josh, you have anything to add to that on the distribution side.
5: No, no, I think that's right. And we're, you know, we, we are, we are active on, on a wide variety of ABOG platforms and, and, and leaning into the ones that are, that are gaining traction. And, and we'll, we're, we're really early adopters in this space, which gives us a big advantage. So we will, um, you know, we will continue to, to be there and lean into the ones that are getting traction.
7: Okay, great. That's By the, the way, uh,
5: yeah, I was right. just going to uh, add
3: a, a, a one other thought for you, uh, which, uh, which I may have, highlighted previously, uh, but uh, it was a real revelation to us. Uh, We, with a very important library property uh, that we had, um, Josh and his team were in negotiations with a, uh, you know, with a licensee um, uh, in the on-demand space. And um, uh, we weren't particularly impressed with uh, what was being offered uh, versus what we believe to be the value of that uh, content. And instead, uh, we went to a rev share model uh, in the Avod space, and I, I think safe to say, uh, produced in one year uh, a greater amount of revenue uh, than we would have under a three-year license that was a conventional license where there was no uh, there was no sharing of revenue. So uh, these are you know emerging uh, uh, platforms, uh, technologies. Uh, and, uh, and fortuitously we have the, you know, the content and the reach uh, uh, in order to be on all of those platforms and uh, figure out how to optimize uh, revenue from, uh, you know, various streams. But, but there is this, this aspect as well with so many leading brands that we have, which is uh, to kind of be everywhere. And uh, that's proving to be, you know, outstanding across all of the platforms and licensing and merchandising you know, helping our distribution business. Uh, it's frankly attracting uh, a lot of partners uh, to us, uh, as in the case of uh, Sega Sonic.
7: Well, it's great to hear that you guys are back on the cutting edge and looking forward to seeing some, some of the new opportunities roll out. Thanks again for taking my questions.
1: Great. Thank you, Deepak. Your next question comes from the line of Jeff Fan from Scotiabank. Your line is open. Thank you.
8: Good morning. Good um, morning. There's a lot of mention about analytics. Um, wondering, Eric, if you can just elaborate a little bit on that journey, where you are now with respect to, um, you know, the data collection that you're doing uh, and where would you like to get to? Um, and, and perhaps maybe a, is this a build process and maybe the cost or investment that may be required to get you there? Um, so wondering wonder if you could elaborate a little bit on that. Sure. Um, Thanks for the question, Jeff. Um,
3: Look, we already know about views, you know, about regions, uh, uh, you know, having a massive network of millions of uh, data points. And um, what that scale of network allows us to do is to really get greater insights where viewers are coming from and going to, languages, et cetera. Um, I want to emphasize, though, it it is not about uh, individual viewer data, uh, that has been uh, changed with MFK uh, uh, policies. Um, it's it's about understanding how the algorithms work, how different brands and the franchises relate to one another, and that's where we are emerging uh, with some great proprietary tools uh, in uh, in data analytics uh, and ad tech. Um, and uh, I, I would say, but for the changes in policy, I don't know that we would necessarily uh, have developed uh, those tools. Uh, they are a, you know, um, it, it, it is that policy has been the mother of invention uh, of our need to be able to define our audience and, frankly, better serve the audience uh, with the content that we're delivering. Um, so uh, we can now look at the viewing data as an example for every episode. We can see which characters are performing, we can analyze the contents, we can flag as an example, when a character, an idea is working, and we can adjust the creative accordingly. Um, we've been doing this for a while now on uh, Caillou, which I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, where we've consolidated rights. Um, and uh, that data, of course, is not only incredibly powerful for advertisers, uh, but we're also looking at this across a lot of business lines and, uh, and opportunities. Um, as far as the investment is concerned, uh, you know, um we uh, – uh, was that your question about uh, the investment in the data analytics?
8: Yeah, just whether that's already been done or whether that's kind of an ongoing investment that uh, we need to account for. Yeah.
3: Ongoing. Uh, and uh, we are uh, – you know, it, it is, it's obviously uh, tuned to the uh, results that we're getting out of it, but we think that these proprietary technologies – put us at a significant market advantage. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've seen that in the discussions that we've had with media buyers, brands, agencies, uh, of, uh, of what we're able to offer them and, and uh, have great case studies now on campaigns that we've been putting up. So, um, you know what, uh, we're going to keep investing against it. Um, it's, uh, uh, as I pointed out, that you know, the, the enormous growth that we've experienced on a percentage basis is is granted on a relatively low base, but uh, it is sequentially improving and uh, and will continue to invest against it. Uh, I think that those data tools are invaluable uh, in um, in helping us understand the market, uh, not only for advertisers but as I pointed out, to
4: better serve our audience. Yeah, Thank I guess them. I would just add I would just add to that uh, that that the two key focus areas for us where we're investing is i t and licensing and and of course in uh, Wildbrain wild brain spark and audience engagement. and uh and that's where we we have been investing but we've doubled down this quarter uh and invested even more significantly because that's where the growth is coming from
8: thanks and my my follow up is um eric you, you you made a comment that piqued my interest you talked about you know that you're a captain of your own ship you you have control over, more control over the process. At what point, given your size and scale in the library that you have, uh, do you think it might be worthwhile to consider from a distribution perspective, you know, go direct to consumer, i.e., you know, have your own app, um, have your own AVOD, SVOD opportunity as opposed to going through other distributors like like YouTube. i uh, wondering if that's kind of, in the cars down the road?
3: Uh, Interesting question. So um, I I think we're finding out about that uh, through the ubiquitous distribution of our content across every platform. And they're evolving, uh, to be sure. Uh, But uh, it it is about an on-demand universe. uh, That is uh, inevitable. It's a force of gravity now uh, in our business. Um, That said, um, YouTube is where the audience is and uh, And it 's a massive massive audience, and so uh, I think you know at the moment uh, our specific focus is the you know optimization maximization of the of the YouTube audience and engaging in uh, in these direct uh, ad sales uh, just as an example though um, which you may or may not be familiar with is in the direct ad sales category um, uh, you know, the, one of the deals or the way that it works uh, with YouTube uh, in direct ad sales as opposed to revenue uh, that comes through the uh, YouTube uh, auction where they're selling ads is that uh, when we place media, um, uh, provided that we sell at or above the YouTube rate card, we keep the difference. So the more effective we are, the more pinpoint these campaigns are and are effective, um, we are able with our premium content to charge premium rates uh, for the advertising. And, um, and that's again, something afforded by the scale of the network we have. Um, so, uh, you know, I've, I've often been asked, you know, do you like the YouTube economics? You know, I don't know that there's any content supplier that loves them. Uh, and with, certainly like a more generous split. But that having been said, the audience delivery is unmatched, and it's a matter of doing the things we are doing to uh, maximize the opportunities around uh, YouTube ad sales, uh, some of the direct campaigns that we produce uh, for advertisers, which, which frankly don't, don't touch YouTube revenue. There isn't a share there where it's a bespoke uh, program where we're creating content, as an example, for a sponsor. Um so those are where the opportunities live um and that and that's why I say being the the uh the captain of our own ship is uh is beginning it, it's extremely rewarding and is putting us closer to the audience as well as uh, as the advertisers. great thanks for that color.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Dave McFedgan from Cormark Securities. Your line is open. Sure. Oh, yes. Um, Thank you. Um, I just have a question on the
9: adjusted EBITDA. Um, So I noticed that uh, it includes a litigation settlement of $4.4 So if you strip that out, it would be down slightly. Um, So obviously the peanuts deal is in here, and that would be obviously additive. So it seems like the other revenue, uh, for some reason, has a much lower margin on it this quarter. And I'm just wondering, is that the correct interpretation? And if so, why would that be?
4: Sorry, uh, uh, David, David's Aaron here. I can um, can you just explain your question a little further? I'm not sure I fully understand it. Sure. Okay. So you had attributable
9: EBITDA in the quarter of 29.1 and the prior year was 25.6, right? So it was up three and a half million. Uh, you had a litigation settlement in there for 4.4, so if we strip that out, it's actually down slightly year-over-year. Year. and But at the same time, you had a peanuts licensing deal in there. Um, so obviously that's additive. So to be flat, when you factor in the peanuts deal, it's it, it seems as though the margin on the non-peanuts revenue was down quite a bit year-over-year, year, and I'm just wondering why that would be.
4: Yeah, so I, I think uh, on your math, I, I think – what you're missing is you know there's like significant investments that we're making in the quarter um with respect to um you know growing the ad sales business and investing in the ad tech and so i think uh you know we we can go through that offline but um i think you're missing part of the other um you know the other uh things that that happened in the quarter so okay and
9: and then just to follow up um you know, obviously, the peanuts uh, library deal drove the revenue nicely in the quarter. I was just wondering, can you provide any commentary on the outlook for the balance of the year in terms of distribution revenue?
4: Yes, uh, our pipeline is very st- is strong, and we feel very comfortable with, uh, you know, with our, uh, you know, with with uh, how we're going to do uh, for the rest of this year, and that we will have some growth over, over the prior year. So. Uh, Again, we we, we have that visibility now and are are feeling good about this year. Okay. All right. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Tim Casey from BMO. Your line is open.
10: Thanks. Good morning. Um, Just a follow-up on the Sega deal and then a question on television. On on the Sega deal, uh, Eric, you mentioned it was material enough to press release i i I know you can't give specifics but is there any way you could frame the the scale of the investment or the resources you're deploying in this deal relative to say uh, peanuts or some of the other franchises and 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 aaron could you direct us as to how we should think about the impact of um of this deal flowing through the p and l like is it is it start immediately and it's it's kind of linear or is it going to be lumpy you know bigger chunks a year or two something like that and then uh, just on television there's been some speculation in the trade press about a uh, potential challenge for distribution on family channel i'm just wondering if you can comment on that and and how you're thinking about the stability of uh, of those subscriber revenues going forward thanks uh hi Tim uh,
3: so i'll let uh, I'll let Josh take up the uh the last question, but uh just to, to talk to you about the uh the sonic deal and our uh, disclosure requirements uh, around that uh, i I first and you know, forgive me, I guess this is the kind of awkwardness of uh, doing these calls remotely, uh, but I wanted to pick up on um, on something that uh, that James said if i may uh in the last question um, after Aaron's explanation which is, um, you know, and I know, you know, there's always this relentless focus on quarter to quarter and, and, you know, EBITDA movements, uh, etc. cetera. Um, I, I take a slightly different view. Um, and, um, you know, again, forgive me. I, I come from, you know, 14 years of, of working for private equity uh, in the entertainment and media business with a, relentless focus on long-term and um, you know, perhaps I, I, you know, should be more concerned about it, but these minor puts and takes uh, on a quarter to quarter basis. uh, I don't find uh, disconcerting as a matter of fact, I find them comforting because it's a big play for the long-term and it's about setting up this pipeline, uh, which, uh, which you guys are seeing now and we're experiencing. So uh, that's my focus, uh, the way that I manage the company um, and, uh, you know, have, have often, uh, you know, nicked in the bud some deals uh, that were uh, not good and that uh, didn't play for the long term uh, in, um, in maximizing and turning to account the value of IP So I just want to point that out. Uh, the other thing is that with those investments, uh, which is human CapEx, uh, you know, look, uh, uh, you know, there were funds that uh, we deployed from uh, fine Capital, which were, you know, an incredible boost uh, to our, our business, uh, but uh, obviously had EBITDA because they go into sg So I just want to uh, uh, point that out. I view it as a positive development, uh, and not one that's a, a detraction at all. Um, on the on the EBITDA side, uh, or, you know, and what that looks like on uh, on Sonic, we just executed the deal. Uh, we're in production. Uh, we're ramping up, uh, and. Um, You know, I would say that the largest impact from studio uh, is to be expected in the next fiscal year. Uh, Consumer products will follow, I would say, in fiscal 23 uh, after the rollout of the new series. But the other thing that we always see in this case because of the uh, likely uh, paramount uh, Sega Sammy Moody uh, coming through the pipeline uh, is a lot of interest uh, at uh, at retail and among licensees, uh, you know, and it's uh, uh, you know drip drip, and then it's a flood. Uh, so our our focus is about sustainability, um, and um, you know that's the case not only for um, uh, for Sonic, but uh, across all of our IP. Um, I know you had a question in the middle of that as well. If I could ask you to repeat that, and then uh, Josh can talk to you about the uh, the GD business. Uh, uh,
10: uh, it was more just if you could, um, for any um, perspective on on how big the Sonic deal is to the company, maybe relative to some of your other major initiatives.
7: I, I think
3: in, in terms of scaling, uh, what I can say is uh, probably uh, the you know uh, the biggest single uh, transaction to come through the studio. Uh, and uh, one of the things that we're excited about is it's a, uh, you know, CG3D uh, uh, series, and, uh, you know, that helps uh, build the capability that we've already uh, developed in the studio and really augments our efforts around uh, that, uh, that technology and format animation. Um, I don't know if, Josh, you want to add anything to that as well as the TV question.
5: Yeah, no, I think that's, that's it uh, as it relates to Sonic and Wow. It's a miracle. I actually wasn't on mute as I began to speak here. Um, uh, I, no, I think I think you, you hit the nail on the head there in terms of scale uh, of the project. It is the largest CG um, series that, we'll have, that we've ever taken on in the studio. Uh, as it relates to your question, Tim, on television, I mean, we don't comment on any specific ongoing commercial negotiations, but it's just it's it's standard course of business. Um, and in terms of you know the, the the viability of our of our linear business. You know we we continue to be confident that we can manage our cash flows well into the future. I think we've I think we've shown our track record in doing that, um, where we've got great cost controls uh, and uh, and and can manage the bottom line quite well, and and uh, we're we're confident we're going to be able to continue to do that. Thank you. Hey Tim,
3: uh, one more thing, which is uh, just to uh, you know line it up uh this uh, uh, Sega Sonic deal uh, represents the fourth series that we now have at Netflix, uh, along with Johnny Tess, Chip and Potato, uh, Go Dog Go, uh, all of which are performing exceedingly well. Uh, so, again, it's a it's just a constant build. Uh, they're a great partner, as is Apple and uh, and the other experts that we deal with um, and that in, you know, Proving out that performance obviously it just attracts more partners and, you know, it's, it's that flywheel that I'm talking about, uh, you know, sequential growth um, that we're pretty excited about. We're, we're really beginning to see those returns. And it's not just slamming shows in there. It's, it's about tending to those franchises. And um, I think i said before, you know, if it grows like a weed, it's generally a weed and we're kind of growing, we're going for the oak, not the weed.
1: Your final question comes from the line of Adam Shine from National Bank Financial. Your line is open uh
11: thanks a lot good morning um I'll just ask one question given that we're coming up on the hour uh Eric you know you touched on EBITDA and I certainly don't want to fixate on one particular quarter um as a look ahead uh as you build some revenue growth into the business. can you speak at all to you know, some of the efficiencies that you gain as you layer on some of these, you know, new big productions, um, some of the operating leverage that inherently comes in the business going forward, acknowledging as you did earlier, that, you know, there there are some evolving investments that are being made for ad tech, you know, maybe for human capital, uh, to scale, you know, the production side of the business or, or even distribution for that matter. Um the look ahead in terms of operating leverage efficiencies and perhaps you know margin expansion uh going forward um,
3: good question adam and um so uh you know i you've actually identified the areas in which we're we're making those investments, and uh you know certainly on the you know human uh where to me it's about talent it's where I've spent my career. Uh, we have a team of, of five in China now, and we're continuing to build that out. Uh, watch that space, please. Uh, I think some exciting developments in that business. Um, that will give us operating leverage and and reach. Uh, the what we're also doing is integrating those business units uh, across the uh, across the entire spectrum of our company, and that's that's where I think we're getting operating leverage as well. Is that uh, the previous structure, uh, honestly, was, was somewhat balkanized uh, with each of the business units. Uh, they are operating in, in harmony now. Uh, we're, as an example, uh, taking our capabilities in research, which had been uh, deposited in each of the business units, and now you know, combining that so that we just have a lot of intel um, and, you know, across uh, the entire company. Uh, the same thing in the ad tech space, and our insights uh, in, uh, in in data analysis and, and Avod, uh, not just on YouTube, but uh, sort of across understanding uh, what audiences want. Um, so th- those those synergies, if you will, are uh, beginning to bear fruit, and I think that um, you know the foundation is incredibly solid. I'm uh, excited about the team now, um, and. And, you know, they're taking on more and more. Uh, my brands group, as an example, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, we hired a superstar in that area who's built out uh, an amazing brands team, uh, and they are sequentially working through the many franchises in the library, uh, and, uh, and you know, we'll you'll, you'll be hearing soon about some of the properties that we're going to be bringing forward, I think, in unique ways, some of them on a digital first basis uh, using our Avon network. So, um you know I, I as far as quantification um uh yeah sequential growth uh long term uh i can't give you a specific number but uh feeling very very good about uh the bill that we're experiencing uh looking it over looking at at it on a on a multi quarter basis
11: okay I don't know like that it, answers
3: question, but, uh,
11: it it does, but um, I'll, I'll follow know, up you know, and I imagine more will come this summer <laughs> <laughs> You got that right. Okay. Thanks. Thank you.
1: That concludes our Q&A over the phone lines at this time, and I will now turn the call back to Nancy Chan Palmatier.
2: Thank you, Operator, and I want to thank everyone for joining us today, and please stay well. We look forward to updating you in the next quarter. Have a great day.
1: This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.